With infrastructure spending on Congress's agenda, government spending may be heading higher. What would a higher deficit and government debt level mean for long-term growth and investment strategy? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Umbi Ko. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we share insights from the multi-asset solutions team at New York Life Investments, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of September 13th, 2021. And don't worry, we're not pulling an April Fool's joke in September. Robert hasn't gone anywhere. But while he takes some well-deserved rest, our colleague and recent podcast super guest, Unbi Ko, will be co-hosting with me today. Yep, and I'll try my best to fill in. Now, to kick off our first new podcast of September, it's finally fall. When I tell you I've been consuming at least one pumpkin product every day, Lauren, I'm not kidding. Ooh, yikes. I'm not joining you so much in that. I'm more of a fancy tea person myself, but I definitely agree. Super excited for some cooler weather and leaf peeping in the months ahead. You know, speaking of things coming up, in D.C., we're waiting for some continued policy discussions around infrastructure packages. Maybe not so exciting, at least not compared to pumpkin beverages. <laughs> But the impact that these packages may have on government deficit or the debt levels is definitely top of mind for investors. Hmm, Interesting. Say more about that, Lauren. What exactly is going on with the deficit? Essentially, it's already high and set to grow. Current debt levels are about as high as those after World War II, and now we're adding two infrastructure packages being deliberated in D.C. this fall. They might have a large impact. And those packages together make up Biden's Build Back Better plan, which I know, Unbi, you've been spending some time on recently. So why don't you remind our listeners what that plan entails? Definitely can do that. So to refresh our listeners' memories, the two packages are, first, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which is a Senate-approved $1.2 trillion plan that funds traditional infrastructure like roads and bridges. The second plan is the Reconciliation Bill that will include the social infrastructure outlined in Biden's original proposal. So right now, Democrats in the House are pushing for a $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, but our bet is that that price tag will likely drop. For those listeners who want more detail, we actually discussed these packages at length in a podcast last month. Yes, more details um, in your feed. Check it out. So as both of these packages will be deliberated further, as early as October, actually, for now, the big concern for investors is that while these packages require congressional approval and they're certainly not law yet, together they could cost as much as $2.4 trillion over the next 10 years and set the stage for up to $4.3 trillion in total borrowing over the same time period. Now, how do we get to those numbers? We're looking at you know, the net cost of the packages themselves, which 
also has some funds that were reappropriated, pulled from buckets related to COVID, some potential costs of extensions of other policies, borrowing through reconciliation, government debt services costs, all kinds of gymnastics that Congress goes through to get to these numbers. But the long story short is that these packages would make for the largest addition to the government deficit in the last five years and outpaces all of the big fiscal stimulus packages we've seen in response to the pandemic. So a meaningful uptick in government spending. Yeah. And as a result, investors are concerned about rising debt levels. And I think for good reason. If we look at just the economic theory, higher debt comes with some market and economic risks. I have three off the top of my head, actually. Ooh, three reasons. I see you learned well. Please share. Only from the best. Anyway, to outline these risks, First, when the national debt increases, it can increase service costs, by which I mean the interest that the government has to pay on its debt. Even the government has to pay its bills, y'all. Exactly. Second, it's one thing to borrow money, but it's another thing entirely to have no plan to pay it back. Investors notice if the government plans to just roll its debt on forever. And if investors lose faith that the government will eventually finance that debt, whether through tax increases or by paying it down some other way, then it can actually spook the market. It's a good point, Mindy, because I think investors don't like to think of taxes as a good thing, but there is a trade-off that happens with taxes. Of course, the taxes increase costs for households and businesses and can impact market outcomes, but they also help the government to pay its bills, which can keep borrowing costs low and, and potentially fuel growth. Right. And that was actually my third risk. Investors may demand a higher compensation for this additional risk, meaning interest rates may rise. Those are three pretty solid reasons for concern. But one thing we always try to do when there are market worries out there is to think about the potential benefits or you know the other side of that spending. In this case, what are the potential benefits of government spending or a higher debt level for investors? And at least right now, when we weigh the pro and cons, we think that they might actually balance as positive or at least neutral doesn't mean that all investment strategies would win from higher government spending. But overall, I think we should be looking for the opportunities here. That's a good point, Lauren. And we'll definitely get to those opportunities in the portfolio pause. But after all those concerns, these benefits must be great. Well, we certainly hope so. The benefits we're looking for, right, are what's the purpose of this spending and what type of opportunities might it open up? And the primary positive we see here, or at least potential positive, is that a large infrastructure investment initiative should boost longer-term growth and productivity if done well. It's a big if. But another factor at play here is that so far during the pandemic, the Fed has supported good market functioning, not just through the pandemic, but in moments of real market panic. But its tools can't independently keep households and businesses afloat when aggregate demand is on the decline. And that's why government spending during the pandemic has been so helpful in keeping the economy afloat. And so when we think about future growth, at least in terms of economic theory, fiscal spending on programs that are focused on high government investment, the same way you or I and B would think about investment, things like infrastructure, job training, healthcare that help promote a stronger economy in the long term, that is potentially good for economic growth and could reduce reliance on monetary policy. Oh, okay. I, I think I get it now. So given what you've just described, the Build Back Better plan indicates progress on this front and therefore increases long-term growth potential. 
that's the idea. But I do want to mention, Unbi, that one of the concerns you raised about increasing government costs on that debt or rising interest rates, that is a reasonable concern for investors, but it's not one that we see as being particularly relevant in the near term. Why is that exactly? Well, we do expect interest rates could rise in the medium term, but it's important to note that higher rates don't mean high interest rates. And the fact of the matter is that the U.S. government is still considered one of the safest long-term investments, especially in terms of government bonds. And U.S. government bond yields are still higher, meaning they yield more coupon, more return for investors than almost any other developed country. And so we expect, again, at least for now, that as long as that confidence that the U.S. government will pay its bills remains intact, that we shouldn't necessarily worry about investors being overly concerned about U.S. credibility on that front. Okay, so in a nutshell, economic conditions are favorable for the additional debt, and infrastructure investments boost long-term growth. I think it's time to share the investment implications with our listeners. Sounds like a great time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And today, of course, we're going to discuss how the deficit increase affects investor portfolios. While we believe the risks around increasing the government deficit are manageable, we recognize that higher government spending may impact an investor's asset allocation decisions. We encourage investors to look for the opportunities just as much as the risks. There's a couple of opportunities I'll outline, and then Unbi, I'd love for you to share the risks because we've been quite constructive so far, and it is important to note that this is a, a topic that could put forward some risk for investors. But first, in terms of positives, we've been talking about government spending potentially supporting economic growth, and that might contribute to stronger capital markets assumptions for investors and higher expected returns. That's overall a good thing for the investing backdrop. The second opportunity that investors might see related to this government spending is related to the infrastructure spending specifically. Now, some infrastructure-related assets, such as listed infrastructure funds, they have potential cash flows that don't rely directly on government spending. And so we're constructive on those asset classes, regardless of what happens in Congress in the coming months. That said... Spending in this area could still boost secular themes and things like digitization, decarbonization, asset modernization, a lot of really interesting stuff. And so investors could look for asset classes that will benefit from those themes. One idea we have is municipal bonds, which provide an essential source of funding for infrastructure projects and therefore themselves present an interesting way to invest in infrastructure. Some great opportunities. Now around risks, to start, Stronger spending, particularly in areas where prices are already high, can create persistent inflationary pressures. And additionally, this leads to the second risk, higher government spending may mean higher taxes, which are felt more immediately in the markets compared to the longer term spending of any government investment plan. Active managers can help investors leverage a change like this, whether by identifying companies or asset classes relatively less impacted by tax increases. Financial professionals can also help investors to ensure that their personal finances are structured appropriately. Coming up next, and speaking of inflation, it's Inflation Week. We get on Tuesday the Consumer Price Inflation Data Release, which means we'll get a progress report for consumer prices and consequently inflation rates. This month stands out because the Fed's been consistent in communicating it expects price pressures to moderate over time. 
But we'll see what this report says because we started to see some wage pressure in the jobs figures a couple weeks ago for August. And we may start to see some inflationary pressures here. It'll be interesting to see how the market reacts. And as we heard in Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole speech last month, the Fed is posed to begin tapering its asset purchases program, which could start as early as the end of this year. And consumer prices, among other things like labor market recovery, is one of the major data points that factor into the Fed's decision. As usual, we'll also be looking for areas where consumer costs are rising particularly high and those where prices are more moderate. It's all important to the pandemic recovery story. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on the website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Unbi Ko. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.